Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader Store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben show. As I speak, it's Friday, April 8th. And here's the headline in today's New York Times to give you an idea what's going on in the world. Jackson confirmed to Supreme Court as supporters hail historic moment. Here's the headline in my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times that was delivered today. Justice Jackson, Katanji Brown Jackson, wins confirmation as the first black woman to serve on U.S. Supreme Court. Why do I read two headlines that say pretty much the same thing? Because, curiously, Lori Lightfoot chose one newspaper to pose with in her Twitter picture celebrating Justice Jackson's confirmation and did not choose two other papers because, hold on. In fairness to the Tribune, headline in the Tribune, historic step, picture of Katanji Brown-Jackson. So why did Lori Lightfoot snub Chicago's own and promote the New York Times? <laughs> I thought we're always, the mayor of Chicago's always, one Chicago for all of Chicago. Promote Chicago, promote Chicago. But when it comes to the newspapers, promoting the New York Times. It's part of the Chicago, not Chicago campaign, right? Ah, <laughs> our distinguished guest has already kind of revealed herself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a board member of, I'm a member of the editorial board at the Chicago Sun-Times. And? And a columnist. Yes. <laughs> She's a great columnist, ladies and A very good writer. You know what, uh, Ramana, that, I'm just going to say this, the Dinkles editorial, I'm just going to reveal, peel back the onion a little bit here. <laughs> Um, Romano wrote this editorial to Dinkles. It was filled with all these wisecracks and jokes. And I just read it now. I like did my um, deep dive on editorials today while we were preparing for the show. I'm like, you're a pretty clever writer, Romano. You, you kind of hide that, you know? It was like really clever. And I'm like, how many jokes can she make? And you kept coming up with them. I'm like, should could go to Hollywood and write comedy. I know. I would I should. I know. I whenever I complain about a show that features Indian Americans and I say they 
or Muslim Americans and they portray it totally wrong. Like Mika said to me, why don't you make your own show then? Because I complain nitpick about it because there's very little representation. And when there is like people from our communities nitpick every single show, he's like, write your own show. I'm like, like, it's that easy. But yeah, I would definitely love to write a show at some point and get it right. Well, you um, you have a lot of talent. I've said that forever. You're a really uh, strong, great writer, I think. And uh, you're, you're putting it on display, ladies and gentlemen. She's getting her moment here at the bright one and really showing her stuff uh, and uh, with columns and editorials. And I know I'm lucky uh, that you agree to be my guest. All right. Uh, so let's just talk briefly about what I began the show with. And I got to admit, someone texted to me this morning. We talked about it uh, on my regular show. Uh, Lori Lifer tweets out a celebration of Katanji Brown Jackson uh, as being uh, con- her nomination being confirmed. It's a great thing for America. I'm very happy that it was uh, she was confirmed by the Senate. But I just am like, oh my God, you're posing with the New York Times. She, she could have held up both the Sun Times and the Tribune. You know what I'm saying, R- Romana? So, like, I'm not favoring one paper or the other, but it could rep- it would have been a promotion of two newspapers in Chicago. And let me go one step further. Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, had, was just in town. I don't know if you saw this, giving a, a talk where he was saying, uh, we need more local journalism. One of the problems right now in the world today is that local journalist, journalistic outlets are really struggling, and we need more uh, lo- local journalism. So here's... The mayor of Chicago could promote Chicago, and she promotes the New York Times. What's going on, Ramana Hussein? I, I don't know. What's, I said it's probably part of the Chicago, not Chicago campaign. But, um, you know, hasn't the New York Times done some puff pieces on Lori Lightfoot before and other mayors in the past? Um, and I'm not saying I'm not just saying any New York Times writers, but um, those who are in Chicago always understand Chicago better than any other reporters in the country. So, you know, she knows that the reporters in Chicago would probably give a little more, you know, scrutinize her a little more in their stories. And they do scrutinize her more in the stories than New York Times would. So I, I guess she's just sticking it to the local news outlets by holding the New York Times um, because, hey, that's what politicians do, right? They want they want the outlets to flatter them. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's pretty much what it is. She's letting uh, the Sun-Times and the Tribune know uh, just how much she doesn't appreciate them. But the kind of funny thing is that the pose, I don't know if you saw the picture. I did, I did. Po- okay, it's a pose of her reading the newspaper. And as I pointed out earlier, I just have to share this with you, Romana. She's reading, she wants you to see the front of the paper so she's reading the back of the paper, and actually, as you can see, she's reading the weather report. That's the weather report and an article, shards of space rock that killed dinosaurs may have been found at a fossil site. That's what she's literally reading. Yeah, so she's just showing, she's just sitting there kind of pretending she's reading the paper, right? And I mean, maybe she's reading it. But yeah, it's like, I, I did see it. You could see the headline on the outside. So... I, I did. I did see it. I was on Twitter for like literally like two minutes today, and I and I happened to catch that Lori Lightfoot's uh, tweet. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Lori Lightfoot letting the Chicago reporting. Good job, Chicago reporters. Gregory Pratt over the Tribune. You are really. She'll never hold a Tribune up as long as you're writing uh, for the Chicago Tribune. That is for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about something else that just broke. <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, right before we began uh, this interview. 
And we haven't talked about this particular news item, and I'm obsessed with it. I've talked about it a lot with other guests on the show, but it's com- it fell in between uh, your visits uh, to my show. And that, of course, uh, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock uh, at the Oscars. I still can't believe he did it. Uh, and uh, because he was insulted by a joke that Chris Rock told about uh, his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, and anyway, it just was announced today that the Oscars have banned him for 10 years. And I just, you were the one who told me about it, and I went and read it dutifully, uh, the article about it. And I have, a, just, of course, me, a ton of opinions about it. But let's let's hear your opinions on 10-year ban. <laughs> I was going to say uh, the slap, as it's now known, um, it, you're not the only one obsessed with it. I think the entire country is obsessed with it. And um, as you know, I was actually overseas in Mexico when this happened. So I actually missed the Oscars and I caught up with it last weekend. And so the day of the Oscars, um, you know, I kind of pretty much kept my phone off. I had an airplane mode. So whenever I had Wi-Fi access, I would get calls and texts from my friends. I happened to be at a restaurant when the Oscars were um, on air. And a friend of ours in a group text said, is anybody watching the Oscars? And then she mentioned that Will Smith had just slapped Chris Rock. And I thought it was part of a bit. I thought they were probably both standing on stage about to present an award. And it was kind of part of a joke. And she's like, no, no, it looked pretty real. Like it was a real slap. And so, of course, I started furiously like going on Twitter and trying to Google it. And and as, as you know... You know, when you watch the broadcast on American TV, you see Chris Rock make the joke about um, Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, about her being in G.I. Jane 2 because of her closely cropped shaved head. And as we all know now, Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia and she's talked about it before. So if you looked at the broadcast in the United States, Will Smith or anywhere else, Will Smith is laughing at the joke. But then when you look at Jada Pinkett Smith, she looks really angry. And then all of a sudden you hear Chris Rock saying, oh, here comes uh, King Richard walking to the stage. And then you see a slap. And then then it just cut off where it just like they went to some commercial or something else. But Australian and Japanese TV caught the latter part of the slap after Will Smith sat down and said, keep your my wife's name out of your effing mouth. And he said it twice, I think. And as soon as my friend texted it to me, I knew my husband, um, Mick, your friend, was not watching the Oscars. So I sent him a text. I might have been the one who relayed this to him while I was overseas. I'm like, oh, are you watching? The-? I'm sure you're not watching the Oscars, but this just happened. And, you know, for the next few days, we've had, you know, with the short time I was gone, there was like all these think pieces about it. A lot of people talking about, you know, race. A lot of, be- a lot of people bringing up Woody Allen and Roman Polanski and uh, William Hurt, who recently died, um, who was accused of being abusive towards you know, women he went out with. So there was all this, all this discussion and you know, people talking about you know, black women's hair to you know, whether Chris Rock was right in saying that joke to, you know, whether Will Smith was right. And then, you know, of course, we saw that Will Smith went on to win the Best Actor category. And then there was also discussion about his speech, people dissecting his speech, where he talked about how love can make you do crazy things. So then women started talking about abuse and how men use, you know, their emotions to say that they're protecting the family. So there was all sorts of takes on it. And everybody was criticizing the other person. And I was just kind of watching it from the backside. I, as someone who's watched Chris, Chris Rock and, on the Oscars, I can tell you that was a pretty tame joke compared to the other stuff that he said to, about other actors. Um, 
you know, I was always a fan of Will Smith when he was on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but I do think that he was kind of out of line <laughs> with that slap. Um, I do think that 10 years is maybe a little excessive. Um, that's just my opinion. I thought if it was like a year or two, I think that would make sense. But 10 years, I mean, he's already like in his mid 50s. So he'd be like mid 60s by the time he's allowed back. I mean, I'm thinking maybe his career would be done by that point. But I'm thinking, okay, I bet you in 10 years, if we're both still alive, Ben, um, I'm sure they'll have like this huge, like, you know, they'll invite him to the Oscars and he'll be like presenting an award. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's been an interesting um journey to say the least and it's only been a few weeks but it's one of those stories that you know people are like oh let's stop talking about the slap there's a war going on in ukraine and there's like all these other problems we have in this country there's still a pandemic but i think it's something it's one of those talkers it's like one of your favorite subjects jesse smollett it it's it's going to keep on giving for a while all right so i asked you this question already when we were off the show and i'm going to ask it to you on the mic uh and i don't want to see any ducking and dodging on this one all right, so here you go, Ramana Hussein. Who got a, uh, a, 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 a juster uh, punishment or more severe? Let me frame it this way: punishment or unfair punishment. Will Smith, ten years can't go to an Oscars show, or Justice Smollett, who got five months <laughs> in jail and he's already out. So you're only t- with two days? Was it two yeah, days? Yeah, I was gonna say two days. <laughs> two days in jail is nothing compared to 10 years, you know, not being in the Oscars. See, I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, okay, I say one okay, hour if, in jail is worse than missing an Oscar. Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, Will Smith is still has a charmed life, but I think Jesse Smollett in some way is going to like make money off this incident. At some point, um, he can make a reality show and everybody's going to watch it. I know you'll be in front of your TV glued to the set. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah, I think Will Smith, I mean, it's definitely going to hurt his career, but like other people will say, like, he's made millions already, you know, D- is it really going to hurt him if he's not working for a few years? I think people will eventually forget. And, and and I do think there's a lot of good discussion about, you know, a lot of these actors have been accused. Of, I know you, we talked off air about, you know, accusations and allegations that, you know, people have said about Woody Allen, Roman Polanski and other actors. There's a lot of other actors who've gotten awards and, you know, they've been accused of sexual assault. And you were saying that this is something that happened off camera, but this is something that happened at the Oscars. And that's a good point. But I do think, I do think it does bring to question, like we have revered a lot of people when we knew what the allegations were against them. I mean, now we know about Harvey Weinstein, right? But I don't know. I, I had not heard about Harvey Weinstein until after the Me Too allegations came out. And, um, you know, once people started talking about it, it seemed, it, seemed, it seemed like it was an open secret in Hollywood. So is it really hypocritical of Hollywood to sit there and put you know, Woody Allen got like these lifetime achievement awards when it was well known that he was a creep for a long time. And so I, I, I think it's, I think it's also, I think we're seeing these changes because people are speaking up out more. I mean, I'm sure like, you know, and then another thing, another good point, a lot of people were making because people are like, oh, this is the worst thing ever to happen in the Oscars. And people are like, no, it wasn't. 
because and they pointed out how when the actress um the black actress um the black woman who won an oscar for gone with the wind when she appeared at the oscars like they had to um beg for her to be allowed into the ceremony because she was black they didn't want her there and i don't think they let her sit at the table with other actors so people are like no there's been other shameful times in oscar history and that probably is a lot more shameful than the slap itself so i mean i just think it's bringing a lot of good debates um about you know what's acceptable in our country and what isn't um you know violence obviously toxic masculinity all these issues are coming up i mean i think it's a good discussion but yeah i mean there's a lot of people who are a lot of people have their different opinion, you know, takes on it. A lot of a lot of women, a, bl- a lot of black women, have spoken out and said that you know they didn't find Chris Rock's joke really really funny, and you know they you know some people thought of it as Will Smith defending black women, but most people I think were on Team Chris Rock from what I understand because they felt like okay maybe Chris Rock was out of line, but he's a comedian and when he's at the Oscars he goes to town making fun of all the actors. And so, um, and, you know, a lot of people are pointing out that Will Smith was laughing pretty hard. And then, you know, his mood just kind of changed. So, I don't know. I think we're going to be discussing this for a long time, Ben. I think we'll be talking about it on, on your show again, again at some point. Well, I know I'm utterly obsessed with it for many, many different reasons. And I get a lot of t- uh, teasing and chiding uh, my, from my lefty friends who think it's beneath me to talk about it, which I, I think it's funny. My dear lefty fans, our friends are very serious people. Uh, and, um, but uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing at the whole thing at this point, 10 years. First of all, this, just so you know, I, I, I did the deep dive. I actually read two articles on it, uh, Romana. So he's free to make movies. He's, so just let's just be clear. He still can make a living. He's not taking away his right to make a living. He's doing a huge blockbuster. I wasn't aware of this until I read this article. It's coming out next year called Emancipation. And that's already the talk. They're talking that up as an Oscar uh, candidate in many different categories. So we could be right back in a situation where he's nominated for Best Actor next year. But, but he, he just won't go. be there. Yeah. yeah, he won't be there, which, uh, you know, fair is fair. I think he lost his going to the Oscars privilege. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with punishing Will Smith. I think what he did was outrageous. Whatever his motivation was, it was absolutely outrageous. And um, so, and listen, you know what? Let me just say this. This notion that people don't want to talk about it, uh, and so it's not worthy of our discussion. We should only talk about things that are really serious, which is so hilarious because if I ever have a serious conversation, you know, the ratings plummet. But if you have, <laughs> so I'm just saying, folks. Oh, totally. Guys... And, and I'm someone, okay, I, it's not beneath me to talk about this stuff because I, I think a lot of journalists take themselves way too seriously. Like, oh, we, we can only talk about, I mean, and I'm not saying that I can't talk about serious stuff because I can definitely talk about serious stuff. And I told you, Ben, before I agreed to be on your show as a regular, you know, guest, I said, I don't want to just talk about serious stuff. And that's one of the things I, I, I do like my journalist friends who don't take themselves seriously because we can have a serious conversation, but then we can talk about things that don't really matter. So it's it's just, 
it's just it is a good discussion and it is it is a big part of movie history so why not discuss it absolutely and to the point that people uh, pretend like they're not into it which is hilarious because i read all the you know whenever uh, dl Hewley puts an instagram he's obsessed with it as much as i am he's always putting instagram pieces out and then there's people that write in they go why are you wasting time talking about this i'm like oh it's interesting you're weighing in uh but you know but uh, so this is the part i saw this little news item i didn't i, didn't, I haven't told you about that i think it's the first time i've mentioned this on the air i had to laugh out loud i saw this so they do this sophisticated uh ratings of 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 Oscar shows, any show, and to see when people tune in. And they estimate, uh, based on their their studies, that 500,000 extra people tuned in after the slap. And I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, Romano, what do they expect to see another slap? You know what I mean? Like, the slap already happened. You missed the slap. What do you expect? Like, somebody else is going to go up and slap Chris Rock? And I'm just like... <laughs> human beings are hilarious well that's man. the thing i think you know the you know the oscars have always you know the ratings have kind of plummeted in the last few years and this is in a way the best thing that happened to the oscars in a long time because now everybody's paying attention and you know one of the things they tried to do with the oscars this year they tried to do a lot of um awards off camera i think or just to quicken the pace but it actually was pretty long it was like over I want to say it's three hours and 40 minutes. It was really, really long. I was like, they didn't shorten anything. I think people, I think what happened is a lot of people probably went back and they probably wanted to hear if people made jokes about it and, and kind of talked about the slap during the rest of the show. So yeah. I think that's what it was. But I, I yeah, think it was. I yeah, think people were just trying to it see it. It just shows you uh, how much they're interested in it. Yeah, exactly. And also, exactly. And they also want to see Will Smith get the award. And here's the other thing. When uh, people get the award, and I'm an obsessive uh, Academy Award watcher. I haven't missed an Oscars in years. I told you, sorry, it's a big deal in my house. We make a special dinner. We, <laughs> we get to watch the TV while eating. It's, it's, it's the Oscars and the Grammys are two huge nights in our house. Uh, and so um, when uh, Will Smith was giving his speech, they let him go on forever. And it's funny because usually they cut them off. The, the music starts playing, you know, to cut them off. They were like, uh-uh, keep them here. So they're all phonies. They know this is a ratings bonanza. Well, you know what I'm saying? I, I made the joke with some of my friends that the conductor probably didn't want to do anything because he didn't want to get slapped either. So, so that was that was my two cents on why they didn't cut him off because they cut off other people, but they didn't cut him off. Yeah, of course they they. That's what I'm saying. People want to have you know their cake and eat it too, and 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 even these. This includes people who are Oscar watchers or don't watch the Oscars because they they're too above it. But it's like no, clearly you are paying attention to it. People, somebody's paying attention to it. All right, so let's get into comedy for a moment. Let's uh, talk about the joke. Uh, and uh, I read Mary Mitchell's column uh, in the Sun-Times, Chicago Sun-Times columnist Mary Mitchell was talking about how it was an offensive joke. Uh, and um, I've read other people writing the similar point that the joke was offensive. They were not, Mary Mitchell did not say Will Smith was right in slapping Chris Rock. She said it was an offensive joke. And, um, and then I've read all the other articles coming back. That's what comics do. And Lord knows, I'm telling you right now, Romana, I'm a boomer speaking to a younger person. You should have seen the stuff that went down in the 70s, like uh, Richard Pryor roasts are far more offensive than, by today's standards, than anything Chris Rock uh, had to say on that stage. You, you, 
you'd be stunned by some of the things I think that you would see if you look back at those comedy. Um, so I'm, this is the part of it where I'm like, I, I, I don't think, I think the culture of the Academy Awards, I may have mentioned this to you, or the culture of the Academy Awards uh, is hostile and nasty. And I think that's a result, I believe, this is my theory, and get your th response, is that it's so obviously a staged event attend attempting to promote the movie industry. Uh, and there's, they're actors, so you can't really believe anything they say because they're all actors. It's just, it's like a giant performance. And so I think they've fallen in the habit of just mocking it. And year after with every recurring, you know, new year, they mock it a little more, and uh, and then maybe they need to gin up the numbers because, like you're saying, the ratings are falling, and so they they go even further and further and further. Uh, and in contrast, the Grammys is a f celebration. Nobody tells na nasty jokes about anybody. It's just let's celebrate how awesomely talented and beautiful we all are. That's generally the theme. Do you think the Oscars have gone too far in your humble opinion, uh, in the, in the area of negativity in terms of jokes? Do you mean jokes, or... just the attitude? Yeah. General, uh, I mean, sort of negative attitude. Well, you know, you are right. It is all a scripted production, right? They're reading cue cards. The jokes are all scripted. I mean, there might be some occasions where things aren't scripted like Wilson's, Will Smith's laugh, but um, yeah, and you know the actors, the actors know how to you know put on a show. I mean, I have to tell you, one of the reasons I do watch the Oscars, it's I watch it more for the fashion than for the actual what which movie wins because a lot of times I don't necessarily agree, and I do think it's political like any other thing, like journalism awards for example, and it's a lot of self congratulatory actors just bragging about themselves and telling each other how wonderful they are. But it is, I, I admit, I do like, I love fashion and I like watching to see what people wear. And that's definitely become a big, big deal too. And they know that because I think like maybe 15, 20 years ago or even the 80s, like I think a lot of actors used to dress themselves. Now it's become, you know, something where the designers, you know, they're trying to put a name for themselves and one designer is usually assigned to one actor and everybody's kind of buying for that one hot actor, to, you know, to dress them and, it's a big deal. It's that part is fun, but I don't know. I think I think maybe to get the ratings, they are trying to you know become a little more edgier, perhaps. Um, you know, Ricky Gervais, I think, um, hosted the Oscars a couple of years ago, and he was definitely, I think, a lot more harsher than the three, you know, women that we had hosting this this year's. It was Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes this year. And I thought they were pretty. I thought they were pretty tame overall. Um, I don't know if you heard, but Amy Schumer said that she had a joke about Alec Baldwin and shooting the gun, which I thought was she wanted it on the air, and I thought it was a little too over the top to um, present. But they wouldn't let her, and and so she kind of was airing out, you know, her grievances on that. But you know, I do think there are some jokes that might be over the line. And I understand if people are offended by the Jada Pinkett Smith joke, but you're good. I mean, there's definitely some jokes I think that were acceptable in the seventies that I would be offended by. Like, I don't think they're acceptable by today's standards if they're super sexist or they're too super racist. Cause you know, we were talking about um, 
you know, people using, white people using the N-word in the 70s or 80s or even today. And that's not acceptable. I just think, I think their standards and society change. I think the Jada Pinkett Smith, I think a lot of people would go, some people would find it offensive and I understand why. And other people would be like, it's not that serious of a joke. I don't know. I don't think the Oscars have gone too over the top because it's still very scripted and pretty sanitary and, you know, everybody's dressed up. It's a little different than the Golden Globes. I don't think, I don't think that, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of, um, people who attend the Academy Awards that are inebriated, but at the Golden Globes, it was a little more encouraged because they're sitting there drinking. And so it, that, I felt like the Golden Globes were a lot more looser than the Oscars. So I don't know. I don't think they have gone overboard, but you know, it's, it's gotten, I think if anything, it's gotten a lot boring. And I think a lot of, a lot of people don't want to watch it anymore. I, I, I'm going to have one of these moments where I know I'm going to be wrong again. I, these happen all the time when, uh, uh, Ramana and I uh, start talking uh, celebrity Hollywood movies, etc. And she's being a little immodest. She knows her stuff. Uh, I, I put you up there like you know this stuff better than I do. Okay, so let's not kid. But I think you're wrong. I don't believe Ricky Gervais ever hosted the Oscars. He hosted the Golden Globe Awards. Uh, and I think... For once, I'm right about something, and then one of these because, folks, you should know this. After we have one of these things where I quote unquote correct or mansplain, after the show, I get the text from Ramana, you know, that I'm right. I mean, that she's right, I'm wrong. But I think uh, uh, Ricky, I love Ricky Gervais when he does it. I love the Golden Globes. That's another one we used to watch, but I, I don't think they had one. I can't remember the last Golden Globes because of COVID. Well, um, so they they had some, but I, I don't know. Isn't it going to be scrapped at some point, or something's happening at the Golden Globes? <laughs> I don't <laughs> well, know. Such a, no. yeah. I just like because they're all getting drunk, and it's just it's such a Ricky Gervais is so edgy. And uh, but to your point about um, uh, Harvey Weinstein, it was open uh, secret. Open secret, yeah. Uh, it, I forget the host. I can see his face. It's the guy who does Family Guy. When he was hosting the Oscars. Oh, yeah. I forgot. God, what am I forgetting yeah. his name? But yeah, a I lot of women it. were offended by him. No, he made the joke. He made a joke about Harvey Weinstein. Uh, he made a, a Harvey Weinstein molesting joke, harassment joke, and people laughed. It, they all knew it. That's what I'm saying. They're such frauds. That's what, yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. It's it, like when it's not cool. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like everybody's wearing black for the Me Too thing. And I'm like... Wait, you were laughing about Harvey Weinstein's jokes, you know, the yeah. Harvey Weinstein joke before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it depends on what's in, right? It's whatever. And then Will Smith gets a standing ovation. He gives a speech. He starts crying. The people in the audience don't know what to do. They don't know which side they're supposed to take. They don't know, you know, they haven't got their talking points. So they just, get, uh, I'll give him a standing ovation. Uh, what a yeah. joke. Yeah. Denzel Washington and Bradley Cooper, I think they tried to calm Will Smith down and, Denzel, I mean, I, I really respect Denzel Washington, but he seemed to be giving Will Smith excuses. But you well, know. you know, Will Smith, yes, you're right. He was, and Bradley Cooper and Tyler Perry, and uh, anyway, yeah, no, I. Uh, all right, so let's get to the uh, second, the second bit, and uh, this one is. Uh, I immediately sent the article uh, to Romano. She, I think you were still in Mexico when I sent this to you. Uh, so, uh, Will Smith was not the only one offended. Uh, by a Chris uh, Rock joke. And uh, I think this gentleman, Patel, was offended more uh, than actually Will Smith. I don't know. He didn't slap Chris Rock. Um, but it was one of the producers of the um, 
uh, Summer of Soul, great documentary. Urge everybody to check it out, which won. And uh, why don't you uh, take it away, Ramana? Explain the joke, and then let's take the deep dive as to whether you thought it was offensive. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I think as everybody knows now, um, after Chris Rock recovered from the slap, he was giving the um, award for the best documentary. And as we all now know, it was for The Summer of Soul, the movie by Questlove about the um, the festival that took place that a lot of us, including me, myself, did not know about until I saw the documentary. And it was this festival. It was in New York, right? Um, Harlem, yeah. Harlem, yeah. And it was it was a great documentary because it, it just shed light on a lot of things and about how a lot of parts of black culture from especially that time period were not really talked about and were never really given the um, spotlight, um, unlike, you know, other festivals like Woodstock, et cetera. So um, it was a it was a good documentary. Even I liked it. I have to say, like, I don't even know a lot of the bands and I thought it was it was really great. But anyway, there was a. Indian producer named Joseph Patel, um, who was won the award, you know, he was part of the Oscars. And so Chris Rock goes, oh, he, you know, and the Oscar goes to Summer of Love, to Quest Love, and four other white guys or something like that. And and four and four not not other white guys, but four white guys. And the white guys included the Indian guy. And so this guy Joseph Patel went on to Twitter. And he was really upset. He's since gotten rid of um, his comments, but he's just like, you know, this totally took away. He was offended because he was called a white guy. He's like, you know, this is because there's two other South Asians who won um, Oscars la that day, including Riz Ahmed, who did a um, short um, film, which I just watched on YouTube a few days ago. And so he was like, this took away from the fact that, you know, three South Asians won the Oscars that day. And he felt insulted, and he called Chris Rock a dick. Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, it's a podcast. <laughs> you could say the first word. There was a word in front of dick. It wasn't just dick. It was... So, I, I, I could... Dick. <laughs> yeah, so I could understand, um, because, I don't know, unless you're Bobby Jindal or Dinesh D'Souza or a Nikki Haley type, no South Asian wants to be called white. It, it's a... It's, it's like, it's it's kind of being, it's kind of insulting. Well, no person of color, most people of color don't want to be compared to a white person or called a white person. So I could understand why he was mad. Um, so he kind of felt like Chris Rock and Will Smith uh, took away the moment from him. And he, he just felt like it was a time for him to shine. And then he gets called a white guy. So I understand. I understand a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I... I I mean, I'm sure if you, you know, a lot of people are saying maybe Chris Rock was just trying to recover from the joke, but he probably already had the joke in mind. And I'm sure Chris oh, Rock he did it before. Yeah. Oh, he did. Oh, he did it before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, he did it. Patel mentioned it. Patel said, this is the second time I've heard this joke. It wasn't funny the first time. Stop making this joke. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, you know, Chris Rock made the joke again, I guess. And so I can understand him being offended. Um, but the funny thing is, like, a lot of a lot of people who aren't South Asian probably had no idea that this happened or that this guy was mad about it. So I, I think it's um, I think it's uh, pretty it's it's funny. But I do agree with um, the guy who was, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if I would call I don't know if I'd call Chris Rock a dick over it. But, you know, I would be insulted if someone called me white, too. I admit it. I would not want to be called white. If somebody, if I won an award and somebody goes, oh yeah, here's the white girl wins it, I'd be like, no way. I, I'd probably hey, say on. something about it. 
Wait, tell me, what's more insulting? If they say the white girl wins it, is the white part of the sentence more insulting or the girl part of the sentence? The more white insulting? part. The white part is more insulting. But yeah, I would think so. So what is the insulting part of it? The fact that they're just ignoring who you are or the fact that they're calling you white? Go ahead. It's 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 ignoring who you are and um and being a person of color, not, you know, in acknowledging, kind of lumping you in with the white crowd. And especially as an Asian American, we're always kind of lumped in. You know, we're either ignored because we're considered a model minority and and we're not, you know, whenever people talk about black and brown people, they never really are talking about Asian people. And so we're kind of either ignored or we're just, you know, we're considered to be like, oh, we're they're the model minority. They they do a lot better. And I think that whole model minority myth is really destructive because it pits Asians against other people of color. So it's one of the things. I mean, one of the jokes I always tell people is um, when I was working for Michael Sneed, um, as my first position at the Sun Times, there was a job opening for a news reporter. And um, I told Michael Sneed I really wanted that job. So I go, hey, can you put in a good word for me? Because I really would like to move on and do that. And the funny thing was that um, at the time, the powers that be said that they would give me the job, but they couldn't because it was for a minority. So that just shows you right there that I was not considered a person of color. And I'm clearly not treated like a white person in have been treated like a white person or gotten the entitlement that white people have gotten in journalism. So that was telling enough for me. So I, I, I couldn't apply for the job because I wasn't considered a minority. And I remember telling other people, I'm like, they said I couldn't get the job because it was for a minority. They use the word minority. I know pe- people of color is more acceptable, but... Yeah, that happened to me. And I, 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 so I'm just saying that that wasn't too long ago. I mean, and I, I, I still don't get treated like one of the boys. So I'm just saying that's what it feels like to be in, in Asian American a lot of times. It's like, okay, they think that you can do the job and they think you're like, oh, you know, they'll get the job done, but they don't consider you equals or a person of color in a lot of times. I think it's changing, but that would, that did happen to me. I'm not lying. Wow. I'm not. You know, I know I believe you. Uh, and, um, although I, I do the same thing. Like I say something that's so incredible. I tell the people, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. <laughs> this happened. Okay. Look it up. But I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, Ramana. I'm, when you told me that it just struck me and, and, I, and it's what I tell, uh, I tell kids this. It's like when they tell you, uh, and I tell this to white people, when they tell you they didn't hire you because they hired, they had a higher, they usually don't say minority or maybe they do say minority, but they're really talking black people. And I go, they're just trying to get you to deflect the anger you would have at them for not hiring you on a black person. Cause I'm telling you right now, I look, no offense to Chicago Sun-Times newsroom. It's a lot better than it used to be. But there is no way they were filling up the ranks with black people back in 19, whatever that was, that you worked for. It was 2000s. Uh, it was 2000s. 2000, my bad. Okay. So it was, it was a year <laughs> off. Uh, but you get, you get my point? It's like, that's just BS, man. That's just utter BS. They didn't give you the job they should have given you. Uh, and they they wanted you to feel like oh blame it on the black person and don't blame it on yeah the and I wasn't who- and and I wasn't blaming anybody I I don't remember who got the job but I wasn't blaming a black person or a Latino person but 
um, or Hispanic, I should say. Um, I wasn't blaming anyone. I just thought it was funny because I was like, I came up to someone and I'm like, um, I'm not white. And then somebody <laughs> told me they're like, at the time I was much younger and somebody's like, everybody over 50 at the Sun Times does not think anybody Asian is a minority. <laughs> so yeah, no, well, but see, this is the thing, and you got at it with uh, model minority. I mean, it's so true that um, that white people they just Asians to them are like in a separate category. You get what I'm saying? It's like, that's how they view the world. And wait a minute, let me just say this. I'm speaking in gross generalizations here of when course. I talk about white people. When I talk about white people. I know, me too, me too. Okay. I make well, fun of white people all the time. Sorry. All right. it's I'm just, just, I'm saying that. But there is, I, I told you this before the show, uh, that like people have stereotypes about different groups. So like if they see an Indian American, oh, that person's smart in math. You know what I'm saying? That's like, <laughs> I know so many American people. I wouldn't want to copy off of their math homework. That's for sure. Uh, and then they see a Jew. I told you about this Jewish lawyers. It's like people have literally asked me, can I recommend a Jewish lawyer? I'm like, wait, a lawyer? I, I bet Does you, the, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but I bet you do know Jewish lawyers because I know, no, I, <laughs> no, I know what I you're know saying. I know a ton of Jews who are lawyers. But <laughs> I never, th- like, a, what's the difference between a lawyer and, <laughs> and a, a Jewish, Jewish lawyer. lawyer? Okay, like, is there something that Jews have that, like, they makes them that, really think, good at law? They think that the Jewish lawyer's going to be better than, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say there. I'm just thinking, I'm just laughing at, no, you're right. I mean, it's really funny because I'm Indian and I'm also Muslim. So it depends on what day people want to make stereotypes about me. If they want to look at me and they look at me, they're like, oh, she's Indian and she's good at math and she follows a law. And then, you know, then they can look at me the next day as a Muslim and go, oh, she's probably oppressed and, you know, breaks the law and is going to like blow something up. So it, you know, it depends on what stereotype people want to apply to the day of and, it's 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 definitely interesting, and I'm not saying that you know I'm clearly making stereotypes about white people left and right, but honestly, a lot of nine out of ten times it's tongue in cheek because white people at the end of the day get to be treated as individuals, and so that's the thing. I think a lot of you know South Asians don't want to be lumped in lumped in with white people, especially because there have been a lot of South Asians who've made it big and they pretend that, you know, or they want to pretend that they're white. Yeah. And I'm sure you saw Bobby, you know, I mentioned Bobby Jindal and he does want to be white because I don't know. Remember that portrait of him in his, in his like state capital? He was a totally, he got somebody to paint him as a white man. And, and anybody who knows anything about South Asian culture, there's a lot of colorism. And so there's a lot of sensitivity thing. I think the newer generation is very sensitive to, um, that sort of, um, you know, categorization for someone to call someone white. So I understand the sensitivity. I definitely do. I might write about this. I mean, I don't know. People might think I'm ripping on white people a little too much, but um, it is. I it heard, is. It is something I, that I urge you to write uh, write about it. And uh, and if you get around to watching Atlanta, uh, see. Okay, here's the thing. Um, Any time you take uh, one person and just make him or her just emblematic of a whole group of people. Like we're heading in the wrong direction. So Jewish lawyer is a, people think this is not an insult. This I'm praising, you know, but I'm like, well, no, you're just like, you've, you've reduced all Jews to a certain thing. And so it's like, 
it's not a, it's you know i agree not insulting, you and know? that's why and then and, and that's one of the things i i think um you know there's a a lot of black people and, and a lot of hispanic people will say well hey at least you're not you know and i understand that because we're not indians or asians in general aren't seen as criminals and that's like the worst that's worse probably but stereotypes are stereotypes and i think one of the things when you like you know asians and jewish people kind of have the same stereotypes attributed to them like oh we're really smart <laughs> and, and you know i'm not saying that jewish people and asian people aren't smart but you know when you keep saying that you kind of think that you know you don't look at those people's individuals you see them as this type and you you know, and that's one of the things that people talk about. I, I don't know, with Asians, I know, they think that we're in, interchangeable. We're not individuals. We're like, oh, that Asian person, they're like a robot and they can do everything correctly. And so can that other Asian person. So I always tell people when I first started off in this business, another thing that I, if I saw that there was another South Asian in the newsroom, I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to hire me because they probably think you can't have, they already have their South Asian. They can't have another one. So that was the way I thought when I first started journalism, because it was true. If they had one Indian person or Pakistani person in the newsroom, there's no way they were going to hire me. And if they oh. did, they would confuse me with that person. But yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, they would call you Bobby Jindal. By the way, just so other people know, uh, we, we were using a reference. I hate to do this with like just some people may not know. He was the former governor of Louisiana uh, and uh uh, Indian American. And by the way, this is on my mind. I just wrote a column about this. Uh, it's related in a way. Uh, Richard Irvin, who's running uh, for governor in the Republican primary uh, and has been the, the the favorite right now, more or less, thanks to $25 million and more to come from Kenny G, Ken Griffin, uh, had a commercial uh, where he's looking into the camera. He's a black man, the, the mayor of uh, of Aurora, and he's trying to convince MAGA that it's okay to vote for him. And he says uh, to to people on the left, people who look like uh, people, I'm the biggest nightmare to people. People, wait, how does he put it? People on the left are really afraid of Republicans who look like me and think like us. That's what he said. Look like me and think like us. And I'm like. Ramana, that is some of the trippiest Jordan Peele get out of here stuff I've seen in a long, long. What is what does that even mean? Think like us, you know what I mean? Like what's us? Who's the us in that sentence that you think like? I, it's, you know, it's it's his way of trying to say, uh, just because I'm black, uh, doesn't mean I'm like a bad black person. Yeah, you what I'm yeah, saying? you can you can trust me, MAGA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maga. It's straight out of the Bobby Jindal playbook. Um, all right. Uh, before we uh, we head off to recommendations, I have to ask you something that's been on my mind. Uh, I had Raylo, uh, Raymond Lopez was on the show yesterday. Uh, he announced that he's running for mayor, and by chance he was already booked on the show, so it was good timing. Uh, and so I started off right away by asking him, how does he think he's going to get elected mayor of the city of Chicago uh, with all of his appearances on the Tucker Carlson show? And so we got into it a little bit. He was defending his appearances in the Tucker Carlson show, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. And my, I'm just like, your Tucker Carlson hates Chicago. He just uses Chicago uh, to, like, bash, I mean, let's be honest, black people and, uh, and just, like, fire up MAGA. And so I, I, I'm wondering, do you think I'm unfair to say uh, that 
people in Chicago would have a problem voting for a mayoral candidate who's made frequent appearances on the Tucker Carlson show. Your thoughts? I think so. I mean, I think anybody who runs for mayor, Lori Lightfoot or anybody else, um, if she runs again, which I'm thinking she would, but all they need to do is um, take a clip from Tucker Carlson for their ads. And there you have it. I think you'd turn off a lot of voters just because of what Tucker Carlson represents. And, you know, you know, he's been very vocal about his stances on a lot of things from COVID to, you know, people of color uh, to, you know, Democrats. And I think, I think that's like enough. I mean, we had a letter to the editor um, in, in the Sun-Times today about how there was a uh, suburban woman who put, gave a letter to the Sun-Times and she didn't know much about Ray Lopez at all. She did not know that he was one of Lori Lightfoot's like main critics and she was she saw him on the Tucker Carlson show and she was just like how could he do that and you know this is person's obviously not going to be voting in the city of Chicago because she lives in the suburbs but that I think is going to be the attitude for a lot of people who don't know who Ray Lopez is but as anybody who's followed um you know Ray Lopez and the city council they know that he's a chief critic of Lori Lightfoot I think there will be like you know maybe some people who are in the FOP they might, you know, they might see that as a plus. But in general, I don't think most Chicagoans would see that as a plus as appearing on Tucker Carlson. What was his like? What was he saying? Was he does he think that it was a good platform? I was going to say that's a pretty big contrast from going on Tucker Carlson to going on your show. Oh, my God. That's, like, that's I said that. And uh, he, he's got a I don't know if you ever met Raylo, but he's got a sense of humor. Uh, he's uh, kind of a regular on my show. He hasn't been on in a while. And uh, I'll say this about him. Uh, a lot of my lefty friends give me a hard time when I bring him on. Uh, I think he's funny. I, I think he's smart. I think a lot of his criticism of Lori Lightfoot and the way she handles the city council is right on target. I believe he's a little late to the party. He didn't speak up when Ron was doing it. But, you know, better late than never uh, on those issues. Uh, and so I welcome him as a guest. And he's also, in my humble opinion, uh, he lives in a neighborhood with... Um, that's been uh, a lot of crime in his neighborhood. And so I sp he speaks for a lot of people in Chicago when he talks about his concern about crime. So I do not uh, d dismiss him or diminish him. I don't agree with him on a lot of issues, and I really don't think it's a good idea for him uh, to go on the Tucker Carlson show and be used uh, in part of Tucker's campaign against Chicago. So that's kind of how I view it. And his attitude is he's got a very open mind in terms of where he goes. He goes... I'm going to go on wherever I can to get my message out. I'll go on shows like yours, he said, and I'll go on shows like Tucker Carlson. And then I had to point out, there's a lot more people will see on the Tucker Carlson show. Yeah. I was, my <laughs> little podcast. And I was going to say, most of your podcast listeners aren't going to be swayed by Ray, Ray Lopez and run out to vote for him because he's on your show. I think he's definitely aiming for a certain audience by going on Tucker Carlson's show. That's just yeah. my two cents. I'm not someone who watches Tucker Carlson that frequently, but I do know what he represents, and I do read about what thing, the kind of things he says. Yeah, so he, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know how it's going to help him. You mentioned the FOP, Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, the head of the uh, local Fraternal Order of Police, Johnny Catanzaro, says he is going to run for mayor. Uh, he hasn't formally announced, but he said he intends to run for mayor. So that'll be interesting. Uh, He'll be Johnny on Tucker's show, too. Oh, pfft, yeah. he, he's Johnny Catanzaro is so MAGA, he wears Donald Trump T-shirts all the time. So he's out MAGA. I told Raylo, I go, man, you better put some Donald Trump shirts on because Catanzaro's got you beat on that front. 
anyway, I, I I don't think it's a good idea for Chicago candidates to be on Tucker Carlson if they want to win votes in Chicago. All right. Uh, let's close with your recommendations. I've already given mine. I just love uh, Abbott Elementary to death. Can't urge people to watch it enough. And uh, run, don't walk to watch the TV show Atlanta. Uh, I can't say enough about it. What are you watching these days, Ramona? Well, uh, since I just got back, I'm starting to get back into the you know groove of things. And I, I do want to watch Coda because that won the best film of the year. And I do have access to Apple TV. And um, I did mention um, Abbott Elementary to my husband because he used to be a teacher years ago. And I, heard, I told him I heard that, you know, it's a really funny show. I think you'll like it. He hasn't really, we haven't really started it yet. But if he doesn't want to watch it, I'll watch it on my own. And I'll go a lot more faster without him. So that's definitely on my list. I, he recommended uh, Tokyo Vice. He read about it in the Sun-Times and Richard Roper's review. He wants to watch that. So I think we're probably going to watch that. I'm interested in watching Pachinko. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Um, it's a Korean series that's based on a New York Times bestseller. That looks really interesting. So I actually just um, signed up to get the book from the Chicago Public Library. So I hope I watch that. And I have one more recommendation, which I'm probably going to start watching on my own because Mick doesn't watch the show, but Better Call Saul. Its final season is going to be airing next week. I, I don't know if you watched, um, you probably watched Breaking Bad, but I don't know if you watched Better Call Saul, which is actually about a lawyer. And did you know that in the show, um, his name is, he's really an Irish guy, but he, yeah, changed, no, his he, name, he changed his name to Saul Goodman so people could think he's Jewish. Yeah, that's the joke. Bob, <laughs> yeah. uh, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I Okay, so... I did not like, I watched one episode of um, Breaking Bad, didn't like it, never watched it. Oh my it God. Yeah, you're like Mick. You're the, like, yeah. You guys are the two people I know. Who do, you're the only two people I know who don't like the show. Uh, yes, to put me on that list. And uh, add my wife to it. She didn't like it either. But um, I I really like uh, Better Call Saul. I, Bob Odenkirk, I think, is a ge- comic genius. His timing is perfect. And the, just just the um, the cynical... Uh, Matt Machiavellian maneuver he made when he uh, adopts his Jewish identity because he knows of the he's playing into the bias. Oh, they're gonna hire me because just as I said, well, he's a Jewish lawyer, and it's just it's just so funny in a really uh, dark way. So I've uh, I've I haven't watched it in a while, but I think I may jump back for the final season. I, I do to... I do think that if you watch that show, like watching Breaking Bad, just adds another layer to it because he does such a good job like you know using the same characters and kind of like setting up a story and it's it's completely a different rhythm than breaking bad but he does it so well and so the next season starting next week they're breaking it up i think it's like 13 episodes i'm going to break it up six or seven in like april and may and then the rest in the summer that korean show that you mentioned what Uh network is that on that's on uh i think that's on apple tv Apple TV, I can't watch it. But I've heard rave reviews about it. I mean, I think it started right when I left for Mexico, and then I just saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about it. And I know Mick likes gangsters better than family drama, so um, (laughs) we're probably going to watch Tokyo Vice first. I'm going to watch that too, by the way. I love uh, that's the guy this from um, Baby Driver and West Side Story, and uh, I really like him a lot. Oh, and I just want to, it's maybe too late, but. 
if folks can get over to the uh, Steppenwolf Theater, uh, King James is the name of the play, Steppenwolf. I just, I cannot uh, give it enough praise. I happened to see it last night. It's about two friends in Cleveland uh, who bond over their love for the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. And uh, anybody who's a sports fanatic, uh, who loves sports and wonders about all the time and energy they dedicate to sports would love it. Beautifully acted. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. And so as I speak, you'll probably have two days to watch it. So, uh, but anyway, kudos to Steppenwolf Theater. I just had to give that shout out. Um, Romana, thank you so much. It's always a blast talking to you. And uh, we didn't talk about any of your editorials. Next time we'll talk about some of your editorials. That's okay. okay. That's okay. We did talk a little <laughs> bit about, you talked about my Dinkles. Baker's oh, yes. editorial. Yes. So you did talk about my editorial. We, so. I'm, glad, I'm glad you're one of our two readers. So thank you. <laughs> I was reading it before you were there, just for the record. I In the old days, Tommy McNamee was the editorial, the chief editorial. I was always screaming, McNamee, what is this? Because he's way to the right of me. Anyway, uh, Romana, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, and you take care, okay? Thanks. All right. That's Romana Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage get gig speeds powered by fiber from cox it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better download speeds up to one gigabit per second cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions may apply